I'm Seth Burchard. I'm your host here on Wrestling with the Mind. Um, Want to apologize up front as this episode's airing a little bit later. We've had some technical difficulties um, with our guest. Uh, we're going to have Brendan Ward on, who uh, is going to share his story, share his voice with us. So look forward to hearing that. But before we get there, uh, a few bits of, of business that I want to throw out there. Uh, first of all, I want to send a huge thank you to everyone who has listened uh, to the show up to this point. It has been a success. The numbers have been coming in, and I am overwhelmed by the response in terms of, of how many listens uh, that the show has had. Uh, it is far surpasses anything that, uh, that I thought it would be uh, here in the beginning. So, again, thank you for that. If this is your first episode, I would recommend listening to the first episode as uh, that episode explains who I am, why I'm doing this, and, and tells my story. So I would recommend going back and listening to that uh, as well. A couple other things, and then I want to tell a little bit of a story about my week. First, uh, like us on social media, if you will. We are WrestleMindPod uh, on Twitter, Wrestling with the Mind on Facebook. And uh, wrestlingwiththemind at gmail.com, please reach out to us. Let us know that you're listening. Uh, I'm not going to hound you to come on the show. I'm not going to – I won't even respond if you don't want me to. It just helps me to know that, that somebody out there is listening and uh, that, that it is, is making some sort of impact. So uh, definitely do that. Also, rate us on the Google Play Store or on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, if you rate us, leave us good reviews. Uh, hopefully you leave a good review. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. Uh, but if you do that, it'll help get the word out there. Uh, it'll bump up that podcast so people can find it a little bit easier. So please do that. All right. So with that being said, um, I want to talk about my week a little bit because uh, over the past week, I have uh, my anxiety has taken the wheel, so to speak. So I started uh, a new job. This week, I'm a teacher. It's my first year teaching. I'm teaching high school. And it's nerve-wracking because when you're a first-year teacher, you don't really know what to expect. And, you know, it's hard to prepare anybody to know uh, what you're going to be teaching every day. And when you don't have a routine established and you're not a veteran or, or have a few years under your belt, you just don't know what works and what doesn't and how you're going to run your classroom. So there's a lot of anxiety uh, building up over that because it's new and most things that are new to me create a, a great sense of anxiety it triggers my anxiety I'll be honest so on my way to my first day of school last Wednesday and I get there and I'm excited and everything seems to be going well you know I'm there early um, I'm going to try to get everything ready for the day figure out what the first day is going to be like because as anybody that's been in school or works in the school systems know, uh, it is it, the first day is chaotic. No one knows where they're going, especially freshmen who are new to the school. 
Um, the day doesn't operate the same as every other day. So I was I was there early because I wanted to get a, a game plan. And I get to the school, and, I, and I'm in the parking lot, and I'm walking in, and I realize I don't have my keys. I don't have my school keys. Oh, no. <laughs> this was um, this was terrible. This was something that, uh, that, that triggered my anxiety. I'm freaking out. I'm thinking, oh, no, I've screwed up already. And I had to run home. Now, luckily, I had enough time to get home and get my keys and, and hustle back. I don't live too far from the school, a 10-minute drive if I'm hitting all the lights. So I'm, I'm fairly close. And I, I get home, and I'm, I grab my keys, and I run back out, and I'm driving back to school, and I'm probably driving a little faster than I should be, to be honest, because I'm, I'm worried that something's going to go wrong in this amount of time. And, in, and the whole time I'm telling myself, oh, I'm worthless. This is no good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've already screwed this up. What am I doing? Um, I'm not cut out for this. And it was just because I left my keys at home. It wasn't a huge deal, but, but my mind made it a big deal. My mind made it this big thing. And I got to school and got in and got everything going and, um, and the day was fine, and then I get to lunch, and oh, I forgot my lunch. So <laughs> I hadn't had a lunch account set up yet. I did not have cash to go buy a lunch. Um, I suppose I could have asked somebody to borrow money and, and paid them back um, so I could buy lunch. But, you know, in my head I'm thinking, well, geez, then they'll know I'm an idiot and I forgot my lunch. And, you know, what what are they going to think? They're going to think, oh, this is this is Mr. Burchett. He's an idiot because he forgot his lunch on the first day. So uh, I made it through. I made it through the first week. Every day has been a challenge, but um, I have been making it. And and that really, I think, is what's important. That you know, even though our depression, uh, our anxiety, you know, whatever it is that we deal with, uh, may take over. Uh, I think it's important to understand that you know we're coming out okay you know, on the other side. Um, I did all right. I made it through. I had a great day, actually. I enjoyed being around my kids and, and, and learning about them. So um, it was a good day, but it didn't start that way. So um, that's just a, a quick update on me and what has been going on for me. Um, right now, we're going to be joined by Brendan Ward. Uh, Brendan deals with a different sort of mental disability, mental illness, um, whichever term you prefer. Uh, he deals with ADHD. He's going to tell us about that. He's sharing his story. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and uh, and cut this intro short, and we're going to get right into Brendan Ward. All right, being joined now on Wrestling with the Mind with Brendan Ward. Brendan, uh, second time we've done this, had some technical difficulties, but uh, but we're we're uh, rolling here tonight. And uh, this episode, uh, as uh, we are recording it, should be up here in a couple of hours. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time out again to join us and um, and and talk about um, mental disabilities and mental illness and, and what you go through on a daily basis. It's not a problem. I'm happy. Well, let's start off with with what you do deal with, because I know um, our first couple of episodes have focused on um depression and anxiety but you actually deal with something a little bit different um and have uh, since you were young as i understand it can you talk about um you can give the listeners a little bit of background on your story and um what it is that you deal with on a daily basis 
All right, to start it off, I would say in the third grade, I was diagnosed with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, at the same time. And I would say my OCD, well, we all, different people react to OCD in different, different ways, and mine's mainly kind of physical, physically disruptive. And um, so I would say starting off in the third grade, all the way up into the third grade, I was a good little kid into the third grade. Um, I remember being in the third grade, being um, disruptive, not able to focus at all in class. And when things didn't go my way, I kind of would get angry. And when I would get angry, I um, I used to, I remember I used to like pinch my teacher, spit on the ground. I just was disrespectful disruptive and the thing is I couldn't control myself. You know, I, I really couldn't control myself at all. I tried, but I couldn't. And my O C D would always trigger when I was in school. So at home my family really didn't know about it. Until yeah, my family really didn't know about it because I was cool at home, but when I got to school every day, that's whenever it really would happen most often. But Sadly, my school didn't know what to do with me. And so they kicked me out, actually. In the third grade, I was kicked out of Catholic school because of my, because I was known as being a trouble child. And um, because, again, they didn't know what to do with me because I was too disruptive. And so they just kicked me out. They didn't give me um, any services at all. They didn't even recommend my grandmother get me tested. And so it was... I looked to my grandmother whenever, now that I was at home more often, my grandmother started to realize how something isn't right about me. So she had to test me, go get me tested out and everything on her own. And so that's when they figured out it was ADHD and I had OCD at that time. But now, thank goodness I've overcome the OCD part, but now I, I, I stuck with ADHD and dyslexia now. And that's about all that I went through with my ADHD. Well, you know, talk about um, what do you attribute that to? Because I know you mentioned that um, the school didn't really know what to do with you. Um, they just labeled you a troubled child. Uh, you know, was that the, the school just not caring or laziness? Or, or do you think there was a lot of misinformation at that time about ADHD? Because I think it's something that um, a lot of people who don't have to deal with it label as is you know not a real thing that that oh this person just yes. um is, is overactive but but they don't believe the adhd is a real thing i would say it was because of um both it was laziness and it was mis miscommunication i mean misinformation you know but it was lazy because the fact that they didn't even tell me get me to a counselor or anything was kind of sad. It just left me there to be labeled as a trouble kid without even trying to offer help to my parents or anything. Because I remember every day they would call my family instead of get me because they said they couldn't deal with me. Every day my parents couldn't go to work. Whatever I work with, they leave work early because I would get too much in the classroom is what they said. And so I feel like, you know, that really wasn't right. And I had to get out of class every day because I couldn't control myself. Besides just speaking with a counselor to calm down, 
We just get him refreshed to somebody because week is what I needed, you know. I needed to get tested. I needed to get help. And they just didn't know how to do it. And so, yes, it was also this information because at the time, although ADHD, a lot of people had ADHD, you know, schools, the way the school system worked, that they can, they, well, I would say school system is working with kids with disabilities. Going to a private school, you kind of have to realize that the schools have their own responsibilities, and you're under their under their contract. And so um, they don't have to help you out as much as public and charter schools do. But I think they should help students with disabilities out more. So, yes. Well, you know, and, and once you were diagnosed – you know, talk, take us through that process. Um, you know, did you get on medicine? Did you have some sort of counseling, anything that helped you? And, and how did that translate once you got to high school? Okay. Um, once I was diagnosed, I had to go through this little anger boot camp. <laughs> I remember it was actually like a little boot camp I went through. And it was really interesting. It was um, through one of my counselors at our campsite. Places. And it actually helped me out a little bit. It helped me kind of control my OCD when I was diagnosed with that. But I did decide that I would take medicine because I wanted to not be different. You know, I wanted to be able to be able to be in a classroom and focus and everything like that. And so um, I did that, and it took a, it took a, I took a lot of different medicines because at the time I had the highest dose. Well, I took the highest dose of my medicine because I have ADHD really bad. And so, um, but at the time when I was going through all of that, had to take like from, what is it, Adderall to all other types. And it didn't actually work because, um, well, it worked, but it began because my ADHD was getting so bad, I had to kind of go up into different medicine. Now, I will say when I first started it, it kind of made me get a game out of weight and everything else like that because, you know, you never know the side effects and everyone reacts differently to medicine. And so I would say those that aren't able to take medicine, there's little options for, you know, like counseling. You can go to therapy and everything else like that. So, yes, I, I went to counseling and therapy. Um, I went to counseling and I was taking medicine. And when I got to high school, I um, still was doing, was doing the same thing, taking my medicine and everything else. But sadly, all the way from third grade up to the 12th grade, I didn't receive any services in school. You know, any of the, what is it called? Accommodations. So, because again, I thought that I didn't have a very disability, although I had paperwork. We, did, we, we got the paperwork through the doctors and everything describing what I had. The schools didn't really take the chance to work with me to give me a accommodation so I can be able to be successful in school. And so, because of that, you know, when I took the ACT test to get into college, I had to take it during a regular time and everybody else had to take it. And that made me, I was, I would put out there, I got a 14, no, a 16 is the highest I got in my ACT score because, you know, those tests are already kind of hard already. But for people with ADHD, we struggle with test anxiety really bad. And I mean, after taking a practice test so many times, I still get very bad. 
And so they if they would have given me the right accommodations, I could have taken it like extended time. But my high school they didn't work with me at all on anything. They let they let me struggle alone basically. They left me to struggle alone. Now my teachers I would say they were nice because they understood what I was going through. So they would let me stay, you know, to redo tests, or they would let me check tests later during the daytime or anything like that. But when it came to standardized tests, my school didn't care about my ADHD. They just left me to take it down as a better time. That's when I really didn't do so good on those type of things because I wasn't able to get extended time. And it kind of made me feel left out. Like, the... My school doesn't really care about me as a person. They just think I'm like everybody else and I don't have struggles. And think if I do have struggles, then I try to be like everybody else, but it's not going to work. So, yes. Well, you know, talk about, um, you, know, you mentioned all from third grade all the way through 12th grade, um, you didn't get any sort of accommodations. It felt like um, you were left out. Did you ever get, you know, uh, any sort of hopeless feelings or just feelings of, of being different? Because, you know, while I don't deal with, with ADHD, um, having deal, dealt with mental disabilities myself, I understand that feeling um, and can relate in that way. Did you ever feel like that? And, and what was a day like for you at that time? Yeah. Um, I would say I felt very hopeless because when I'm so like nobody, like teachers, principals, nobody cared about me. They left me to struggle. Again, they left me to care. They left me not to be well, in a classroom environment. Like I was dumb. I had no, like, no right to be in a, I had no um, education like the other students. Although I was in the same classroom with them all day. It just made me feel like I wasn't a student. Like I was an obligate. It was up to me to get through my own school. And that, um, I mean, that I just have to deal with being, I just have to deal with being ADHD. And I have any help. And so, before going to the daily life, I was saying if I could just reread what I, the, the post that I found on Facebook that was very important to me. We talked about, um, what ADHD is. Okay, I'm going to get you to read it really quickly for everybody. So people out there will know what ADHD is. And it says, ADHD is not a learned behavior. It is not a discipline problem. It is not a spoiled child. It is not a temperature tantrum. It is not a choice. And it is not the easy way out. ADHD is a, med- is a medical condition. It's a chemical imbalance. Is a big deal. Is a battle for self-confidence. Is a fight to maintain focus. And it's a war between brain and body. ADHD is real. And so, I guess at the time, people didn't know exactly what it was. So, um, a day-to-day life for me, basically, it's at home, you know, I have to take my medicine. And, uh, well, I, I'll explain before I, before I used to take medicine for before my grandmother actually knew I had. Um, I remember I was just sick, not able to focus at all. Like, um, yes, I, I mean, while the teacher was teaching, my mind wasn't able to focus. I was looking that way, but my mind was everywhere else in the class, like wondering what the other students were doing. 
wanted them right on that phone. Like, just I was focused on everything else, but the teacher at Stuart Kimmel teaching to us, to me, to the class. And so that was hard for me because I was, um, I really wasn't able to take in what the teacher was talking about. I just was there. I basically was just there without my mind being there mentally. And that kind of was hard for me to get through because, um, you know, when it came to tests, I really didn't do so good on our tests because, again, while I was in the class sitting down, my mind wasn't focusing on the, on the, on the teacher. It was focusing on everything that was going on, every noise that was made in class. I would be looking to see where that noise was made. And it gets really made in my mind, like, I always curious about what else is going on besides the important thing. So that was basically like a day in life for me. But when I, would, when I would take my medicine, it would make me go in class, sit down, focus, be able to be engaged in class by asking questions. It just made my mind, my mind calm down a little bit to so watch the focus in class. And I would remember, I would do better on my test when I would take my medicine. I would do really good on my test. But versus whenever when I first was diagnosed and I didn't have medicine at the time. And I mean I was getting like D's and that's on test. And when I started taking my medicine, I was getting like D's and C's. So I was doing very well when I would take my medicine. Well, talk about um the transition for you from high school to college. And obviously, um you said you took the ACT. That was something that you took because you wanted to go to college, uh, but what was that process like? Um, I have to imagine going in, um, you might have even been a little bit apprehensive because of the experience you had had with education up to that point. So talk about preparing for college and, and getting in and, and what it was like for you once you got there. Well, I would say college was the best thing that ever existed for me, definitely being disabled. Because again, to reflect back, I didn't have any services from third grade all the way up to the twelfth grade. And so when I went to college during our orientation, the disability center told me that, you know, if as long as I have written documentation of my disability, I can get extended time on tests. I can take my exams in a quieter environment. And I was like, this awesome, you know, I'd never been able to experience this before in the real when I was in school and and I mean, in like grade school, preschool through, I mean, third grade to trip grade. So knowing that I can do that made me more confident that I can do anything. You know, it made me feel like, it made me feel like I was, um, they wanted me to be successful is where they wanted to help out in, in a way I could, and make it help out. And me, I like to take all opportunities that I can get. So, you know, I would take those tests. When I had tests, I would take them over there. And I would get, like, really good on my tests. I would get B's and A's on my tests. Because I was able to take it in the environment, not rush on them. And when, I'm, when I don't rush on tests, I do really good. And so I was able to take my t- like, I was able to get the most stuff I've ever gotten ever in school, in regular school, when I got to college. So that, I think, just made me more confident, as I said before. It made me just feel like, there is people out there that really does care about people with disabilities and they want them to be successful. So um, I was kind of ready to be independent as well to see how I could live on my own with, with my disabilities. And, and I think I did really well because I would say 
people with disabilities, we like to be very busy. I mean, people with ADHD, the key to, to the key to helping us out is being very busy. And in college, you know, you could be very, you can be involved, you can be involved in any group that you want to be in. So that's exactly what I was doing. I was going to all the games, being up, I mean, just joining all the groups that's important to my major. And and doing that made me focus more, made me just stay stay active. You know, we like to be active. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder means we like to be active, non-stop active. Always doing something. So in college, I had the opportunity versus being in regular school. You know, you can't join groups, all, all the groups that you want to join, you know? And so I was happy about going to college. And it was kind of a smooth transition for me. Because, again, I had the services that I could use through the Disability Center. And I was able to go to a lot of groups to keep me active throughout the day. Well, you know, you had the opportunity to do something pretty historic uh, at Western Kentucky University. And, and you were very and have been very instrumental um, in speaking up about mental disabilities at that university. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've gotten involved in and, and, and how that began and that whole process. Yes. Okay, so I noticed one thing I did notice in my school is that there's no opportunities for students with disabilities at all to get scholarships without, because you know in college, to get money you have to have the highest ACT score, the highest GPAs out there to get a scholarship from the university. And I noticed that people with disabilities like me, we didn't, we don't have the highest test scores, you know, we don't have the highest GPAs. So that made me wanted to get involved in my campus. And so I would say, I went to a SG, a student government association meeting, to speak during a student student during a student section, where the students could speak. And I remember telling the whole Senate the. Being a disabled student at, at school sucks because we don't want to get any money. We, we feel hopeless. We feel like we can't get any money. It, it doesn't make any sense for us to try to come without able to receive any money from the university like all the other students do. It makes us feel like we're left out. And so I remember after giving that little three-minute three speech, everybody in the audience stood up and clapped for me. And I was like, this is amazing that they really want to work with me on this. And so, and I also remember telling them that, because I remember doing research, looking up scholarships for students with disabilities in college. And you really don't find them. You really don't find them in scholarships. When you look on Google for scholarships for students with disabilities, it just brings up regular scholarships, you know, the 3.7 or 3.8 or the 22 on ACT. So they, most colleges don't offer scholarships to students with disabilities. And they kind of, again, make students with disabilities feel hopeless. Like, I can't get any money from the school that I went to college. And, you know, I can't get any money to go to the school that I got picked to go to. And so um, I kind of had a good relationship with the SGA president as well. And so... Um, after after going to that meeting and speaking up, I went to several other meetings because I wanted to keep going to let them not get not get anything done. So I stayed persistent with it. 
I kept going back, telling them how I feel, and and I mentioned to them, if we if we are able to just pass through the school budget, we will make history as a university. Not only as a university, but history for Kentucky. We will be the first school in Kentucky and in Bowling Green to ever offer a scholarship not based off of the ACT score for students with disabilities. And so that I think that Papa made them want to act even more because that has never been done. Again, it's never been done ever in Kentucky. No students with disabilities have ever been offered a scholarship not based off their GPA or their ACT score. Well, I would say after the summer, after that summer of giving my speech, the SGA president called me and said that they were going to be offering $1,000 to students with disabilities, meaning that they were going to be offering two scholarships, two $500 scholarships to people with disabilities. And I thought that's not a lot, but it was something, and I was kind of happy to be a part of that. So my name was actually on, a, on the bill that they passed. And I think it still is on the bill that they passed. And now they have still been offering the same scholarship to students. With, they said that they're going to continue to offer it. They're not going to stop offering this scholarship, which is amazing to me. Yes, I I, went, I um, spoke up because, again, and, you know, my, the president said no student with disabilities have ever come to them at a public forum and just spoken about what they go through. And see me, I... I love to share my struggles. I want to keep them to myself. So I went there speaking up, thinking that, you know, maybe others have already done this, but they said nobody's ever done that before like that. And so they empowered me to do it even more. And so, yes, I was involved with creating a scholarship at my school and the first scholarship ever in the Kentucky College to offer scholarships for people with disabilities. Well, and I have to imagine there's a great amount of pride uh, that comes along with that for you, that, that your name is, is on that bill. Uh, and you know now that anytime a student receives help who, who deal with disabilities, uh, that um, you're part of the reason for that. So, you know, I have to imagine there's a great amount of pride. Talk a little bit about that and, and what opportunities have come uh, out of this for you in terms of speaking up and, and sharing your voice and your story. Yes. Well, I would say um, before I, the bill actually passed, I remember I got invited because I'm involved. I'm a, like a national advocate for another organization called SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Health Administration. It's a federal government organization, and they kind of used me to speak at a national mental health, national Security's mental health awareness day. I think it was May the second or May the fourth. No, I think it was May the 4th. May the 4th, it was a National Mental Health Awareness Day. And I, so instead of me being in classes, I got flown for free to go to Washington, D.C. to speak at an event about children with disabilities and why it's important for them to be heard. And that was a week before, uh, I think that was a week, that, that was, um, I spoke there, I spoke there before they actually passed the bill. So when I was at the event, I kind of just told the parents, I told the most of the people around me, people with disabilities need their voices to be heard. You know, you cannot be silent. Your voice needs to be heard. You cannot let your circles be silent. If you need help, we need help. We can't keep it to ourselves anymore. We have to be open about it. Because your story can change other people's lives. So I remember after that, 
well, I mentioned at the conference that in my school, I'm trying to get a uh, um, student body, the student body association, to give money to the students with disabilities because it has never been a thing in my school. And so after that, you know, over the summer they met and they called me and said, this is going to be a thing. So they kind of just told me that, you know, people that really do share stories can have an impact on other people. Because um, because I because I wasn't going to be silent. I made an impact on my all students with disabilities at my school. Now they now because of me, they're able to receive five hundred dollars. Two two people are able to receive receive five hundred dollars, and that just makes me feel like, again, my voice does matter. My voice created a huge change at my school. And I hope that I also encourage other people with disabilities to speak up because I, I guess I do my work not trying to encourage people. I do my work that I do. I call it working in silence. I call it working in silence. But not really silence, but meaning actually being persi- persistent on what I do, like being determined, not giving up, working on it, like not even expressing it to everybody to begin. You know, I don't. I didn't tell it out of my classmates. I didn't just show it off, like I was getting ready to do this. I let the results show it, and when the results showed, it created a lot of impact in my school. Like the school paper did an article on me, and everything else. I mean, I felt amazing that my silent work, the work that I did behind the scenes, when it was revealed, it created a big change for the university. It made history. And so that made me really want to do more. So after we did that, I created a, well, we had a panel at my school for people with disabilities to come and share their opinion about what, it, what it's like for them to go through disabilities. And I think that was the first time they ever had a panel about mental health disabilities from students that go through disabilities in their own And I would say, we kind of had a big crowd in the room. And so people left the meaning, left the forum, left the public forum saying that, now hearing what, what me and some of the other students that I picked to speak on the panel with me had to say about disabilities, um, they're going to treat students differently in class that have disabilities. They're going to want to help them more. And to me, that was amazing to hear that. Students came. They, they, it was shocking to me that people actually, other students did care about people with disabilities by showing up to the event. I think we had about 10 or 15 people there. And I mean... For them to come out of that day to spend time to learn about what life is like for us really made me feel very important. Made me feel like I am the voice for disabilities in my school. And now, actually, they have a whole other group that's very great. It's called the Depression and Bipolar Organization. And I mean, at the time, we didn't have any of that. Now we have a whole other student that's a leader that also goes through the same they go through disabilities as well. And she's created a group. So I feel like when I leave my university, the people with disabilities voices won't be silent. They'll be heard even more. So it just feels great that, you know, I love for impact and I encourage other people to do to have groups to work with people with disabilities as well. Well, you know, and and that's amazing and, and you know, I'm thankful that you've shared your story and your voice. You know, that's a lot of, of why I'm doing this podcast is I want other people to know, you know, hey, you're not alone out there. Um, what advice would you have for anyone who feels like they're struggling with uh, a mental disability or a mental illness? Uh, 
um, because I think there's there's a lot of, of stigma attached to it, and people are afraid that they won't be taken seriously. Um, what advice would you have uh, for those people that are listening out there that, that may uh, want to reach out for help but are just afraid to do it? Honestly, just go for the help. You know, just don't – well, there's a Malik I made up, you know. It says that, you know, the Sprite bottles, you know, whenever you open a Sprite bottle, Coke bottle, what happens is it fizzes up and it, it overflows with the, um, with the bubbles. And I, and I say that our voices are like the bubbles on the inside. And, you know, if we don't open it up, it's just going to be sitting there. And if we open it up, you're going to be – if you open your – if you open up your voice like you open up the top of the um the 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 top of the bottle and your and your voice comes out like how the bubbles do fast, you know, something's gonna actually be used. Your voice is gonna be used for something, you know. Your voice is just gonna be again sitting there, not doing anything. Your voice is gonna fizz up and it's gonna come at the top. And you never know who life you may change. But what can be done whenever you show your struggles? Because, I, again, being silent is not the solution. We, we, cannot, we cannot struggle alone. We cannot struggle alone. Because when we struggle alone, we're not helping ourselves get through the problems. We're just letting the anchor and whatever we're going through just stay in our minds. And, it's gonna, and the thing is, our mind can only hold so much of what we're going through. And if we're not saying it, they're just going to keep piling up in your mind. And one of these things is just going to bust. And, like, you're just going to – it's all going to come out. But it's going to be too late, you know? So, again, I tell – I like to tell people, open up your open up the bottle top and let your voice be heard. Because um, if you hold it in, it's just not going to – you're not going to get any help, you know? So, by you telling people – I go through this issue, and, and you know, the thing is, you can't worry about what other people say about your disability. As long as you know you have it, that's all that matters. And the right people are going to help. You know, when you go to counselors, go to counselors. They will help you out because they're counseling for young people with disabilities, for sure. And they're counseling to listen. So, you know, if you're going through issues every day, schedule a counselor every other week or every week if you can. Like, it's going to share what you're going through. Because I'm telling you, when you get out of your circle, you feel way much better than you feel way much better than if you just held it in. And so, again, I want to encourage everybody that has a disability. Go and get help. Speak about what you're going through. Because by doing that, you're going to feel way much better than what you've done and how you feel just by holding it in. And again, you never know who life you may change. Somebody else may be going through the same issue that you have. And by you sharing what you're going through, guess what? You just created a whole new friend. You both can go through the same issue together. And you both can get help together. You both both can actually encourage others together because guess what? You both shared your voice, and now you're friends, and and you too can change the whole world. By letting others know what you go through. So yes, that's what I would tell people: just show your voice. Well, you know, one of the other things that I try to do with this podcast, Brendan, is um, display people who are dealing with mental illness. 
you know, living, uh, you know, real life and living life and, and coming out okay on the other side. What does the future hold for you? I know you're uh, you're interested in, in broadcasting. You're doing a little bit of work with that. Uh, tell the listeners what the future holds for you. Yes, I would like to become one of the best broadcasters out there, you know. Not only that, I want to be known as not only have been a broadcaster, but being a broadcaster that has a disability, ADHD. And not letting my ADHD stop me from not being able to get my job done. So, you know, I want to be known as Brendan, the broadcaster with ADHD, doing the best job he can ever do. And I do some of the regular broadcasters that we have because he's just so involved and so want to be out there. And I also honestly want to do be a motivational speaker on the side, you know. I want to go to conferences like I've done before. Speaking about disabilities, speaking about how you, you not only people with disabilities, but everybody, teaching them how to use their voices to impact others' lives. Because, again, all voices matter. People with disabilities' voices matter, you know? And I was going to say, um, yes, I'm going to be known as being a broadcaster with, with ADHD. But not letting that ADHD stop me from getting my job. Now, one thing I was also going to say is, I plan before I graduate from Winston Kentucky University. I would like to do a um, a mental health awareness matter march on my campus at Winston Kentucky University, and I'm really going to work hard. But this is probably going to be before December. So I was thinking of, I'm going to get started a march that I that I would like to have before I graduate college, and it's going to be a march that shows that. All disabilities matter, you know. It's going to be us. We're going to be marching together around my campus, letting all the people know that disabilities matter. We are humans, just like everybody else, and we should be treated like humans, just like everybody else, you know. But we just need a little more help to get to be seen. You know, we just need a little bit more help than everybody else does, but we are humans. So I'm going to be working on that when I get back to school, getting the march together at my university. Well, before we let you go here as we're wrapping things up, if anybody may be dealing with, with the same sorts of, of issues uh, that you do, uh, dealing with ADHD or, or OCD or just mental illness in, in general, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yes, they can email me, actually. You can email me by emailing Benton, B-E-N-D-A-N, W-A-R-D-1-3 at yahoo.com. Again, it's BendonWard13 at Yahoo. B-E-N-D-A-N-W-A-R-D-1-3 at yahoo.com. And I will most guarantee get back with you for sure. Well, that is fantastic. Uh, if you're looking to get a hold of somebody who deals, perhaps if you're listening with the, the same types of things as you, uh, Brendan is definitely uh, the guy to get a hold of. Um, we look forward to hearing more from you uh, when you get the uh, the march going. Definitely let us know. You've always got a spot here on our podcast. Anytime uh, you want to come on and, and share something, uh, we would be uh, most willing to have you. Uh, thank you again for taking out the time once again as we've fought through technical difficulties um, as you well know, in the broadcasting right. business happens all the time, but um, unfortunately yes. happened to us yesterday. So, uh, but but I, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story, sharing your voice, 
and uh, and look forward to hearing some feedback on this. Um, Brennan Ward, thank you very much. No problem. You have a great rest of your evening. You do the same. Big, big thanks to Brendan Ward for joining us here on Wrestling With The Mind. That pretty much is going to do it for us. Again, I would like to reiterate, I uh, would love for you all to reach out to us, whether that be on social media. We're Wrestling With The Mind on Facebook, uh, WrestleMindPod on Twitter, or WrestlingWithTheMind at gmail.com. Reach out. Let us know that you're listening. That uh, certainly uh, makes it worth doing. I mean, I know a lot of people are listening. Uh, the numbers have grown every week, and that tells me that there's a need for this, that, that people want it, or at least responding in the sense that they're listening to it. So uh, reach out to us. We're always looking for guests. You can reach out any of those ways as well if you'd like to come on and share your story. Uh, no pressure, um, but if you'd like to, if you're courageous um, and, and feel like sharing that, I know it always helps me when I do, uh, even though it's nerve-wracking. I understand that. Uh, reach out to us that way. Also, like us on the Google Play Store or on the Apple Podcast uh, Store. Give us a rating um, and give us a review as well. That helps get the word out there. That helps other people find us. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, apologize for the late upload, but uh, we certainly got the technical difficulty figured out and out of the way. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show. Remember, you may not be okay and that's okay. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Mind. Until next week, I'm Seth Burgett saying good night.